This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. In 2020, Merriam-Webster's word of the year was pandemic. In 2021, the word of the year, vaccine. This year, Merriam-Webster's word of the year. Say it with me now, gaslighting. Yes, congratulations to gaslighting as Merriam-Webster's word of the year. (laughs) Congratulations to the word gaslighting. Now, the official definition for gaslighting, according to Merriam-Webster, is the psychological manipulation of a person, usually over an extended period of time, that causes the victim to question the validity of their own thoughts, perception of reality, or memories, and typically leads to confusion, loss of confidence, and self-esteem, uncertainty of one's emotional or mental stability, and a dependency on the perpetrator. So, congratulations. It's downright deceitful, manipulating, misleading. Is why that word is the 2022 word of the year. Gaslighting. Congratulations. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Remember the documentary, iRobot? Remember the rules of robots? I think they were the three, the the three laws, okay? A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey orders given to it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law, and a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. And that worked out really well in the documentary iRobot. Well, San Francisco has become the first city, and I'm sure it won't be long before others, if it hasn't happened already, has asked that their robots able to use deadly force as an option when risk of loss of life to members of the public or officers is imminent and outweighs any other force option. Oh, okay. So they sent a draft that didn't include any language in surrounding robots, uh, the use of deadly force. And then the Dean of the city's board of supervisors, this Aaron Peskin, uh, added On the draft, uh, robots shall not be used as a use of force against any person. And the San Francisco Police Department said, Whoa, hey, uh, now we're going to cross that out. Uh, We want to make sure that robots can do that. There could be scenarios where deployment of lethal force was the only option. And we want to be able to use it. Oh, okay. 
Now, San Francisco, and I'm sure this is, I am, I would bet a lot of money that this is in other cities across America and it's already been okayed. But San Francisco currently has 17 remotely piloted robots, but only 12 are functioning. In addition to granting robots the ability to use deadly force, the proposal also authorizes them to, for use in training and simulations, criminal apprehensions, critical incidents, uh, exigent circumstances. Oh, okay. Executing a warrant or during suspicious device assessments. Uh-huh. Because we use them now to defuse bombs and deal with hazardous materials. And, you know, so the newer models have an optional weapons system. <laughs> yeah, give me one of those. Okay. That's what I want. <laughs> I want the one that has the loaded 12-gauge shotgun shells in it. Okay. I know we usually detonate bombs with it, but go ahead and put that 12-gauge shotgun on there too. You know what? Uh, what you ought to do is let's let's go ahead and put a grenade launcher on that bad boy and a machine gun. And if it's big enough, let go ahead. Put that 50 cal on that bad boy too. It's skills get heavy for humans. Let the robot carry that 50 cal around. And we'll decide if we're going to use it to kill other people. Okay? Okay, good. I mean, it's coming. And I would not be surprised. Mark my words. Mark my words here on Chewing the Fat. Jeff Fisher that other cities around America and for sure the world have already okayed robots for the use of deadly force as an option when loss of life to members of the public or officers is eminent and outweighs any other force option. We're just hearing about it now because of the uh, dean of the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco who had his line taken out because he was like, hey, I don't want robots uh, to be used as force against any persons. And the police department went, hey, um, no, we want that and we're going to use that. So I bet that's happening in other cities around America. So be ready for it. Uh, we saw the documentary. <laughs> in the documentary, I robot uh, didn't turn out well for the humans. Well, in the end, it did. But, you know, prior to the end, it did not turn out well. So good luck. God bless. All right, so today is Cyber Monday. For those of you listening live, the 28th of November, 2022, you can, uh, you know, get your stuff online. It's cool. Have fun. Order your stuff online. You know, like you do every day. I didn't see any great big super deals, but I'm sure they're out there. Uh, so if you find one, go ahead and take it. I did not get my Denny's Everyday Value t-shirt on Black Friday. Very, very disappointed. Uh, I, my do boy, uh, tried to take care of it and didn't get it. Now, I did get an email from John who wanted, this is why I almost didn't talk about it, uh, who said, you know, thanking me for letting, uh, you know, the audience know about the Denny's Everyday Value t shirt. And so in his email, he said, I just attempted to order the shirt online and I want to report to you that the offer appears to be a big scam. Wait, what? So when I mentioned the offer, uh, I, he said he went and immediately registered his email address on the offer page to be notified when the shirt would be available. Starting a couple of minutes before the offer was supposed to go live tonight at midnight, so he sent this email, 
you know, Friday morning uh, or, you know, late Thursday night, however you want to look at it. I went to the shirt order page and kept constantly reloading it until the order button was activated and you could click it. The order button never activated. And after about 10 minutes of reloading again and again, the page then said that the shirts were all sold out. It's now about 12.45 p.m. and I haven't even received the email notification I signed up for to let me know that the shirts were available at midnight. My guess is, and this is the emailer John, uh, my guess is that most of the 150 shirts went to the family of employees and were never actually available to the public. I hope you had much better luck than I did, although the biggest size available for the shirt was only XL. I know we talked about that. There was no fat guy sizes, but I was going to go for it anyway. So my do person, uh, who, you know, <laughs> uh, the person, uh, my do person who claims to be my son, uh, my youngest son, uh, was, had it, was there ready to go, had it ordered. He said that he did not sign up for the email. That was an option when he signed in. Uh, I don't know, a few days before when I was talking about it and he had everything ready to go. So he was logged in and, and kept, uh, refreshing until it went live at midnight and the order button activated. He hit the order button and it said, uh, then it sent him to the pay page. And so it activated, he, he hit the activate button. It sent him to the checkout. He was waiting in line, waiting in line, waiting in line, waiting in line, sold out. So his button did activate. He did hit it. It sent him to checkout. He was fired up because he thought he had it. And then it it kept saying waiting in line for, you know, multiple times. I don't know, at least, you know, three to half a dozen times and then sold out. So (laughs) that could have been a damn big scam. Whole thing. Damn it. I didn't get it. Very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. He came in. Uh, I was, I don't know, I was getting ready to go to bed. It was after midnight, obviously. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving night, you know, we'd watch football all day and, you know, full and stuffed and didn't feel like sleeping. So I was just, you know, in my bedroom and uh, he came in, he goes, I'm sorry, dad. And I was like, holy crap, what? <laughs> I forgot all about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, what's up? He goes, I didn't get the shirt. Oh, man. I am so pissed at him right now, I can't tell you. <laughs> so, a little bit different. Uh, that happened to uh, Max, that happened to John, but the same outcome. No Denny's Everyday Value t-shirt with the QR code on the sleeve to get the free breakfast every day for a year. Very very disappointing. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Well, congratulations to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Uh, They say they plan to give freedom and profit sharing back to artists. From writers and directors to costume designers and editors with their newly launched production company, Artist Equity. They spoke about their plans for the new company, which follows the closing of their previous Pearl Street production. Apparently, they couldn't do this with Pearl Street production firm. Uh, the independent production company arrives after Damon and Affleck obtained a minimum of $100 million in financing from investment firm Redbird Capital Partners. And I guess Ben and Matt are committing their own unknown amount of capital 
sure it's going to be at least, you know, 25 or 30 million apiece. Affleck called the new venture his next act of my career for a long, long time. With the Oscar-winning actor, producer, and director planning to work exclusively with the company, Damon, who will produce exclusively with Artist Equity, said the company will allow film and TV talent to take ownership of their creative power, providing a platform for both established and emerging filmmakers to streamline the development of their content. I know what kind of freedoms artists long for and how they can be empowered, treated like grown-ups. I was Ben, not Matt. So congratulations. I don't know why they needed a new company, the the, uh, Artist Equity, instead of just doing that with Pearl Street production firm. But, you know, they did and now they do. So congratulations. Let's, Let's see what good comes from artists' equity and see just how how it turns out. I can't wait. I'm excited for them. Oh, and I see where Twitter has now said that they are going to relaunch Verified Service next week with new colors. So the Verified Company accounts will receive a gold check mark for government accounts. No way. Uh, verified Company accounts will receive a gold check mark. Government accounts will receive gray check marks and individuals will receive blue. Elon Musk also said accounts will be manually verified before a check is activated for the $8 per month service. Doesn't say how long I get to keep my blue check mark, you know, without paying the eight bucks. So I'm already verified as at Jeffy JFR. And I have the name that I changed to Jeffy, J-E-F-F-Y, because the actual at Jeffy wouldn't give it to me. I wonder if I can get that now and have that verified, because I am Jeffy. I'm going to try that, actually. Uh, That would be awesome if I get that account for 8 bucks a month. (laughs) Just to piss at Jeffy off. I need to do that right away, as soon as I can, before he does that. Um... So, but it doesn't say how long if I don't pay the $8 a month right away because it's going to launch like, I don't know, on the December 2nd, something like that. So when it launches, if I don't pay the 8 bucks, do I still, how long do I remain verified before the blue check goes away? And just between you and me now, I'm not, don't tell anybody, okay? It's just, it's just you and me. I'm going to try to get at Jeffy. I want that bad. I want it to be verified as at Jeffy. Because I am Jeffy, not that Dingleberry from the Northwest. <laughs> oh, just keep your fingers crossed. Elon, you got to let me have it, bro. You got to let me have it. He doesn't really, but you do. You do, darn it. You know, the days of, okay, don't worry about it, thank you, and move on with your life are long gone, aren't they? So a black woman has reported getting a cup from a Starbucks with the name Monkey printed as the customer's name out of Maryland Starbucks. Now, as of right now, the Starbucks employee is suspended and an investigation is underway. Now, the customer, Monique Pugh, said the incident happened on November 19th at a store at Starbucks in Annapolis Mall. Now, her name is Monique. I would like to hear how she pronounces her name, Monique because it could have been an actual mistake. Name, Monique, 
whatever, how she pronounces it, and they typed in monkey. I don't know how the name gets typed on the receipt at the Starbucks. Is it hand-typed in? Is it autocorrected? I don't know. I don't know. But it doesn't matter now because she alerted the the barista to the word printed on her name. Now, I don't know what she expected to happen. She said, she claims the barista offered a nonchalant response saying it was a mistake. What, how is she supposed to respond? I, I don't, I don't understand. So then she asked for a refund and left the store to call Starbucks customer service. She says the general manager called her back, offered an, her an apology along with a free drink and a sandwich. She declined. That wasn't good enough. Well, it certainly was good enough earlier when she asked for a refund, but what changed since that time? So, of course, the company is working with the store. The company is owned by Impeccable Brands. It's not owned specifically by Starbucks. And, of course, we want everyone in our stores, including both Starbucks operated and those operated by our licensees, to treat each other with dignity and respect. We do not tolerate behavior that's disrespectful or makes a customer feel unwelcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're working closely with our team. Got it company also adds that they are taking steps to ensure offensive words cannot be printed on future order labels. How? Every word could be an, an offensive word. So how do you do that? Yeah, you just name, number the customers and that's it, I guess. No, no names, just number. Remember when it was, we wanted to make it seem more personable, so we gave you a name. Now you just get a number, I guess. That's just the way it is. So uh, the Pew, uh, Monique, uh, identified the woman named Tina, who's been suspended pending a further investigation. Okay. She's, the statement says that the word was printed as a mistake, but they are working to make sure it doesn't happen again. Okay. She says the incident left her traumatized, saddened, and disappointed. And she also raised concern about how Starbucks trains its employees to learn that the barista Tini, Tina, who referred to me as a monkey. No, she didn't refer to you as a monkey. She put monkey on a label, that on a cup that you were getting, okay, under the name. She didn't, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, completed her racial bias training, which implies she was aware of her actions and the consequences that will follow. I would like to see this matter addressed promptly, and I want the racial discrimination to stop. Well, the, the they did address it promptly, and you denied that request and you're the one that took it farther so i'm not sure what the deal is i really do i want to know i hope we have an outcome to this because i want to know if the employee actually was a mistake if it was someone trying to be racist i doubt very much i doubt very much is it possible absolutely but i doubt very much that the starbucks barista is calling this black lady a monkey on purpose because of some sort of racial bias. No way. No way. I don't believe it. Is it, is it like I said, it's possible, but I doubt it. I bet that the way that Monique Pugh uh, pronounces her name, uh, it sounded like monkey to the Starbucks employee, and that's what the Starbucks employee wrote down. I, I would be willing to bet that that is what happened. But it doesn't matter. And it wasn't good enough to say, we'll give you a refund and uh, free stuff. Nope, 
too late. I want to complain. I want to bitch and I want to moan and I want something to be done because it's a racist matter. (sighs) Instead of perhaps saying, how come this is this way right then and there to the barista? What happened? Did you mishear me? What's wrong? I don't know. Here's a free coffee. Here's a, you know, a cake pop. Sorry for the the misinterpretation. Have a nice day. Take care. Please come back. I, I just, everything has to be a war. And it just drives me insane. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, so who died today? Who died today? Irene Cara. You remember Irene Cara, fame, flash dance singer? She has died at the age of 63. I mean, those two uh, movie theme songs, fame and flash dance, just huge in the 80s. Monster hits. I mean, Oscar, Golden Globe, two time Grammy winner, Irene Cara. Uh, she starred in and sang the title song from both Fame and uh, Flashdance. Uh, what a feeling from 83's Flashdance. Amazing. Uh, she has passed away at the age of 63. Okay, so uh, it, this was announced on Saturday that Irene was dead. Now, she died at her home in Florida. We don't know the exact day she died, and we don't know what she died from, the cause of death. So, Irene Cara, great. I mean, we don't know what happened. Uh, There's no news on what happened to Irene Cara. As of right now, uh, as of this recording, as the time I'm recording Chewing the Fat, (laughs) uh, Irene Cara is still dead at the age of 63, but we don't know what killed her, and we don't know how long she's been dead. So, Irene Cara, rest in peace, dead at the age of 63. So if you haven't made it home yet from your Thanksgiving travels, good luck. I hope you're there. I know that uh, there were 3,000 more, actually, than 3,000 flights delayed uh, over the weekend uh, as of Sunday afternoon. So I was looking at the TSA checkpoint travel numbers, and they're almost uh, pre-pandemic levels. In fact, on Friday, they surpassed the 2019 turnstile levels, not by much. Uh, 2019 was 1,968,000 and some odd numbers, and uh, this year was 1,980,000, so about 20,000 more, maybe 21,000 more, something like that, but still more. And the rest of the days were below pre-pandemic levels, but they're still getting there. Uh, in 2019, uh, you know, Thursday was a million five, and uh, this year was a million four. So they're getting there. I mean, it's hanging in there pretty close. But a lot of flights delayed. We have a lot of weather issues going on. Uh, there's a big storm that's supposed to, you know, cruise through the Mississippi Valley into the northeast 
uh, on Sunday, which they were talking about. There's an, also another big storm coming across from Texas and into the Northeast, uh, starting today, I believe. Then there's another storm moving into the Pacific Northwest that's going to be coming in. So if you are stuck, get where you got to go. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Get where you got to go. It's important. Plus, we have the, uh, the, the not the tornado, which we're going to have tornadoes from some of these storms, which got me thinking about tornadoes. But we have the volcano that's going off in Hawaii. Mauna Loa, uh, the world's biggest active volcano, begins eruption after 38 years of quiet. So we've got that going on, which will affect travel uh, around the world because of that. So just here's a, you know, I just want to help you out here. Get to where you got to go. And some of those delays are because flight attendants want to prove that they are still all powerful. We've talked about this plenty of times on this show. And this past weekend, there was no exception. Uh, the NFL star Odell Beckham Jr. was uh, removed from an LA-bound flight at Miami International Airport. Huh. Now, he's on the plane. He's sitting up in first class. That's I mean, if you're Odell Beckham Jr., that's where you fly, right? So he's got a blanket over his head, and of course, they've got to make a big deal. You've got to have a you've got to have a seatbelt on. You have to have a seatbelt on. Whack. Make sure you have your phone shut off, and you have to have your seatbelt on. Whack. And so this was uh, American Airlines, and a term used over the intercom was, "We have an issue with a passenger. We have to return back to the gate." Oh, and according to one passenger, another passenger, he said that we did see an ambulance show up. We did see paramedics board the plane. The flight crew told officers they were concerned for Beckham's safety after they attempted to wake him in order for him to fasten his seatbelt. Isn't that special? Now, flight crew members asked Beckham several times to leave the plane, and he refused. And as a result, the aircraft had to be deplaned. And there was no noise coming from the first class cabin. People, there was one one uh, other passenger that said it was weird. There was no noise. We just all had to deboard, and he was fine. Uh, they the whole ordeal delayed the flight over two and a half hours, and he wasn't arrested. He wasn't fined. They took him off the plane, and then he they took him to a non secure area of the terminal. He made other travel arrangements. I mean, I would be so pissed if I was on that plane and that we had to deplane and then replane and then get to where we had to go. Odell tweeted, never in my life have I experienced what just happened to me. I've seen it all. Never in my life. And then the next tweet, I could never make this up next week, comedy hour. So, uh, American airlines flight, uh, 1228 was service to Miami, returned to the gate before takeoff. And uh, because uh, due to a customer failing to follow crew member instructions and refusing to fasten their seatbelt, the customer was removed from the flight and redeparted at 10.54 local time. Now, uh, Odell's manager, uh, David Davalier, uh, issued a statement saying, Earlier today, Odell Beckham Jr. boarded a morning flight in Miami without any problems. The flight was delayed after boarding and prior to takeoff. Mr. Beckham fell asleep with his blanket over his head, which is a normal practice for long flights. 
He was awakened and told that the plane was back at the gate and that he needed to get off the plane because he did not put his seatbelt on when asked. He responded that he was asleep and that he would put his seatbelt on at that time. He was informed that it was too late and that either he would have to get off the plane or he would have to deep or he would have to or they would have to deplane. The overzealous flight attendant insisted on removing everyone from the plane instead of simply allowing Mr. Beckham to fasten his seatbelt and proceed with the flight. At no time was Mr. Beckham disruptive or combative. He was willing to comply with the seatbelt requirement, but the flight attendant wanted to prove that he had authority to have Mr. Beckham removed from the flight. The airline proceeded to send Mr. Beckham's luggage to Los Angeles without him. That incident was unnecessary. Sleeping on a plane should not be a cause for removal from a flight. If they could wake him up when the flight returned to the gate, they could have done the same thing to ask him to put on his seatbelt. Amen. And I hope and American Airlines isn't going to do anything because they're going to stand by their flight attendant who, you know, has the power. You have to, if you don't put your seatbelt on, this instant young lady or young man, uh, that's it. Uh, you know, they have all the power and it's agonizing. There's a point, And I don't know what that point is, but at some point, somebody's going to have to say, bro, calm down. And boy, during the masking wars, uh, that was a big time problem. We haven't had that much of a problem lately because the masking wars are over, but now we still have them feeling the need to show their power over other customers. Now, I would venture to say, why didn't someone step in uh, a higher ranking flight attendant and say, hey, why don't we just try to get this okay taken care of here so that we could get this flight going? We're already backed away from the gate. Let's go, okay? Because guys in first class, it's probably okay. It's probably all right. All right, it's not a big deal. We'll just get him. And you know what? Even if he doesn't have his seatbelt on, so what? I know it's the law, but so what? He's got a blanket over his head. It's during takeoff. You know what? If he's got, if he doesn't have a seatbelt on, I'm sure he'll be okay. I would be willing to bet, and this is just me throwing it out there, uh, that Odell has flown on many private flights where he didn't have to have the seatbelt on for takeoff. I know you're supposed to, but I personally have flown on private flights where you just don't do it. You're just sitting there on your device, whatever that may be, phone or tablet, because you don't shut it off on a private flight, and you just take off, and everything is okay. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, American Airlines, come on now. Come on. Well, and as long as we're talking about Odell, uh, he's out looking for a job, uh, looking for the highest bidder to come and play. If you know the Odell Buckham Jr. story, uh, he's out looking for the highest bidder that will, you know, hire him and have, presumably, he will help them get to the Super Bowl, uh, if as long as he stays healthy. But uh, plenty of football over this past weekend and some huge football games. Amazing. I mean, college football was awesome this weekend. Uh, the NFL over the entire Thanksgiving holiday was just unbelievable. The Bills-Lions game, Thanksgiving Day games, uh, the Buffalo Bills-Detroit Lions game was the most watched game of the season with a 31 million, 627 million, you know, thousand viewers. Uh, the game peaked, that game peaked at 41 million, almost 42 million viewers. Okay. Now, uh, the, um, the Dallas Cowboys game, uh, against the New York Giants 
is now the most watched NFL game ever. Okay? Ever. That game had 42 million viewers. Wow. (laughs) I mean, there was a 41.55 million average viewing of a game in 1990 between the Giants and the San Francisco 49ers on ABC. And that grew record numbers date to 1988. But uh, the average viewership for the three Thanksgiving Day games was 33.5 million, surpassing the previous high of 32.9 million. But the uh, the game, the actual game, the, Dal- the New York Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys, most watched NFL regular season game on record, 42 million viewers. So there was a lot of great football to be had um, this past weekend, including, you know, a lot of people watching him, some great college games, the world cup. I mean, I tuned into the world cup. I was so disappointed that we tied that stupid game against England. Uh, I love soccer though. I forget how much I like soccer uh, until I watch it. It's just something I don't go out of my way to watch anymore. Uh, you know, I used to coach my son and, uh, you know, we played, we'd go to the, uh, major league soccer games and I just you know it's it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy soccer uh it's I know you know I as I, you know I, mean, I love sports so it's just another you know sporting event but I was really bummed and of course the uh soccer team plays again tomorrow for those of you listening live again today is the 28th which is a Monday uh November 2022 um the U.S. plays uh Iran tomorrow and we have to win. Uh, we can't tie. Uh, we can't do any of that bull crap. We got to win. We have to beat Iran, which we should. Uh, we should have beaten England. We outplayed them in that game and to not get a goal was very, very disheartening. So anyway, uh, that's where we're at with the World Cup. So keep your fingers crossed on that and we will uh, and we'll let you know the outcome of that game. <laughs> So while we were getting ready for Thanksgiving and to just sit around and watch football and stuff our faces with Thanksgiving Day food, uh, in Germany, and they had a big heist on Tuesday. I wish I'd have been a part of it. I was not. Oh, you want to be a part of a crime? I'm just joking. Okay. Uh, German police have now launched an international hunt for thieves who stole $1.65 million worth of ancient gold coins from a museum within nine minutes and without triggering any alarms. Nice. The stolen, I mean, horrible. The stolen loot consisted of 483 Celtic coins dating back to 100 BCE and a lump of unworked gold that were all discovered during an archaeological dig in 1999 near the present-day town of Manching in Germany, state of Bavaria. All right, so officials said cables at the telecommunications hub had been cut less than one mile from the Celtic and Roman Museum in Manching at 1.17 a.m. on Tuesday. The museum's security systems showed a door in the museum open at 1.26 a.m. and the thieves leaving at 1.35 a.m. So they were in and out, baby. 
<laughs> so apparently there's been two other heists in Germany in recent years. In 2017, in which a 220-pound Canadian gold coin was stolen from a Berlin museum. And another one in 2019, in which 18th century jewels were taken from a Dresden museum. So if you know the whereabouts of these coins and or the lump of unworked gold, uh, you know, I would contact uh, Interpol and let them know because there's a, or the German police uh, because they have launched an international hunt uh, to what happens. Now, do what happens to this? Do they, do they just melt down the coins, which is terrible, right? I mean, we like the coins to have uh, it's a historical, uh, historical value and, uh, you know, worth having to look at. But do you melt it down just for money? Or do they already have a buyer, right? Do they already have someone who's going to put the coins and the lump of unworked gold into their collection down in their basement, only to be seen by friends and close relatives and no one to be the wiser, right? And then 100 years from now, oh, aren't those the coins stolen from Germany back in 2022? Yes, they are, and we're taking them back. But a great inside job could be set up for a movie already. As we know that the uh, the hub, the telecommunications line was cut, uh, emergency security systems were down, except the security system showed that the door was open, right? So you went back and looked, and uh, the system showed that the door was open, and then it showed the thieves leaving at 1.35 a.m. Started at 1.17, ended at 1.35, walking away with $1.6 million worth of treasure. That is a good 20 minutes, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good 20 minutes. And it's not actually 20, right? It's uh, 17, 18, 18 minutes is what it is. That is sweet. That is sweet. I mean, they got away with it, at least for now. Uh, they got away with uh, almost $2 million worth of goods in under 20 minutes. That's pretty sweet. You see where they did a study on wolves? Uh, they studied more than 200 North American wolves. So this team looked at 256 blood samples from 229 wolves, which had been carefully watched throughout their lives. So apparently this uh, Connor Mayer and Kira Cassidy, wildlife ecologists at the University of Montana in Missoula, thought of a rare opportunity to link infection with behavior in wild wolves. Oh, I mean, sit around one day, just... You know what we should do? We should look at infection rates and behavior in wild wolves. Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, good for them. Good for them. I mean, that's how they get their study money. That's that's good. So there's the uh, the work was published in Communications Biology, which who doesn't read Communications Biology? I mean, Dan McNulty, a wolf biologist at Utah State University in Logan says the study provides compelling evidence of the profound influence that pathogens have on the ecology and behavior of wild populations. So that is awesome. So anyway, what did they find? Well, they found a parasite known as the... Amorphophallus. No, it's not that. It's called... Toxoplasma gondii. Yeah, thank you. So that this particular... Toxoplasma gondii makes an infected wolf bold, increasing its survival. Wolves infected with the parasite are more likely to lead packs as well as leave their home packs and strike out on their own. 
Uh, this is according to the study of more than 200 American wolves. As I said, they actually looked at uh, the bloodline of 250-some blood samples from 229 wolves. And uh, this is, and it was published in the Great Communications Biology. So, awesome news. And I'll tell you one thing that it makes me want to do is just maybe infect myself with... Toxoplasma gondii. And that way, I may be, you know, bold and increase my survival rate. And I could lead packs, as well as maybe even leave home and strike out on my own. And all I need is a little shot of... Toxoplasma gondii. So if I could get some black market... Toxoplasma gondii. Are you in? Go ahead. You can message me on Twitter at JeffyJFR. Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. Uh, you can always order a, uh, a cameo. That costs money, though. Uh, the others are free. And you can, uh, you can always you know, follow me on YouTube, uh, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. I've got to start doing more on my YouTube lives, and I've come up with a couple of ideas. I will share that with you as this week uh, progresses. But for right now, I'm looking for the black market on how much we can, you know, get a shot of the old... Toxoplasma gondii. Are you in? Come on, you know you want to. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.